Trent Cotney and John Kenny are dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal business and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law & Mortar. Hey, this is Trent Cotney. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law & Mortar. As always, I've got the man, the myth, the legend, John Kenny with me. John, how are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be here again. Always look forward to getting together. Yeah, absolutely. So, no shortage of topics to talk about. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done one. And, you know, I've had the opportunity over the last few weeks to really, you know, review a bunch of contracts that are out there. Um, you know, I've got, you know, clients, customers sending stuff in, asking us to look at it, update it, make sure it's got the latest warnings and insurance, you know, provisions in there. One of the things that's interesting, and I think a lot of contractors don't really think about it, is what do you do when you have extra materials that you have ordered for you know, a job that are on the job site, you know, who do those materials go to? Do they belong to the customer or do they belong to you? Now, John, you know, you know, back in, you know, your estimating days, you always, you know, have more materials because there's going to be waste, right? You're always going to order more. So one of the things I recommend is that contractually, you make sure that there's a provision in there that really identifies that it's yours. If there's anything left on, if you got a few bundles left over, they're coming back with you. They're not the owners to use or resell or whatever. But it's important that you spell that out in the contract because if you don't, you could get sideways with your customer. What are you seeing on that, John? Well, actually, I think that's a great point that you brought up today. And this is an age-old problem. This is gone. I, I've run into this in, in the past, uh, especially on commercial work. Or, you know, looking at it from a commercial side. I've been involved in projects where, say, the project engineer for a plant or, or, or facility, um, because the contract wasn't clear, that's how I first learned about this, they didn't want the materials that were left over. They wanted a credit for the dollar value of the materials left over, which yes. is, in one way, even a little bit worse because you're paying for them and then you're paying someone else to keep them. Um, so that's a great point, and I cannot agree more that should be stipulated that any overages, waste, whatever legally, you know, you recommend to word that you got to have that in your contract because I face that a few times. Yeah, great point. Absolutely spot on. So if you if our audience is listening to this, make sure that you're addressing that in your contract. Doesn't matter what type of construction you do, you want to have that in there because if you don't, you know, then you end up in that dispute at the end. So, John, you know, you and I were talking before this uh this program here, and one of the things that I think we both kind of noticed is that the price of money's gone up, meaning, you know, with interest rates going up, it's become more difficult to get money. We're starting to see some capital impacts on, um, you know, contractors being able to, you know, maintain credit lines, get loans, you know, uh, string out their distributors, all that kind of stuff. But I know you have your finger on the pulse on the consulting side. What What is it that you're hearing out there? I'm hearing there's uh, even the contractors that are doing well and have a decent backlog, cash is not where it should be. And then I'm here. There's a group that really cashes. We say at the critical, critical mass level for a couple reasons. One is, you know, the 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 free money's gone. Right? You talk about the interest rates have gone up, and there's been a lot of companies that took out loans when it was cheap, but guess what? They weren't fixed interest. They were adjustable. And now instead of paying $2,000 a month to pay it back, it's now $3,000 a month, you know, for example. Um, and, and that's a big deal. And also, too, I'm finding they're uh, telling me and I'm working with some people on this exact issue is that the receivables 
are doing what we like to call that famous creep out, right? They're getting further and further out, getting collected. And, and as you know, as you, you know, you've preached it so well over the years, Trent, from a legal standpoint, the further out it gets, the less chance you're going to get of collecting it. So try to really tighten your cash up because it's going to be a long ride before this, you know, gets back to the other cycle again. It, it could be years. It could be a few years. Um, things have to ha change, but keep an eye on the cash flow for sure. That's one big one. Yeah, great, great point. I think, you know, there's there's some some common sense recommendations that I would probably make to our listeners. One is, is, you know, it's very easy if you're part of management to keep your eye off that, right? You delegate that to other people, you assume they're doing it well, but you got to watch it, right? And one of the things I recommend for contractors is come up with a threshold amount. That threshold amount, depending, you know, depends on your revenue size. You know, if you're doing 20 million a year, it could be anything over 20,000. Right. If you're if you're doing five million a year, it could be anything over a thousand, whatever it is. Come up with that threshold amount and then have your people, whoever is in charge of it, run a list every two weeks for you. Right. And I think it really pays dividends if you focus on those higher dollar amounts and you yourself put in that call, send that email because that's it. You, you hit it. You know, I'm starting to see a lot of creep as well. And I think it's going to impact contractors negatively. So. I would much rather know at the front end if I'm not going to get paid at the end of a project rather than at the end of a project. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at it from multiple, whether you're doing multiple projects for certain owners or contractors, make sure your sales department, you're estimating whoever's getting the contracts is aware of someone that may be ticking up in payments and say, you know what? I really, you're right. I can meet, I got that number for you. I can get our, our labor force out there, but, can you get me paid on this one here before we get moving on the next one? And you know what? They need you. So now, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Let me go back to accounting. Whatever it takes to get that money flowing, you need to do it. Yep, absolutely. It's it's. I've heard every excuse in the book. I think it's important you just stay on them. Um, you know, one of the other things that even though it's not directly related to cash flow, it, it definitely hurts that bottom line. And that's employee retention. You know, biggest threat to construction now is the same as it was 10 years ago. It's lack of skilled labor. And we're in sort of a zero sum game where, you know, you can't really recruit new labor. You, you know, you might be lucky here or there. You might help get 10 percent of what you need. But at the end of the day, you're taking people from other existing contractors. That's that's pretty much how it is. So, you know, one of the things that I think we're always doing, whether it's from a business or a legal standpoint, is trying to figure out what can you do to retain your good employees, right? And is it increasing benefits? Is it, you know, giving a percentage of ownership? Is it, you know, coming up with uh, unique ways to train? Um, I don't know if there is a, a guaranteed way to do it, but I know that the companies that are trying end up, you know, succeeding to some extent. Um, so, John, what do you what do you recommend as far as that to help, you know, employers maintain and keep their existing employees? Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about is an approach I don't think we think a lot about. Um, and that is your growth in comparison to your labor force. So, you know, we all agree it, when you stop growing, you can only be dying. But there's other ways of growing. If you're focused solely on sales, which I will tell you, a majority of contractors are. If I did a million this year, I got to do a million two, I got to do a million four, a million three, five, whatever. Problem is, you're not going to find the subcontractor base 
or the labor force to keep up with that. It's just, it's not there. Because as you just stated, which is so true, you're all, somebody's got to steal from somebody to make it happen because there's not people jumping into the industry to do that. So really, if you look at how you're running your operations side of your company, um, and I started deep dive, diving into this, and anybody wants to contact me on this for the numbers, I'm happy to do it. I will tell you right now, there is enough labor force. This is a world study to take care of half of the backlog of labor that we don't have if efficiency went up. Construction has dropped. Everybody else, production and manufacturing and all that has gone up, not in construction. So if you look at your own operation and really set your jobs up correctly, cut down the waste, make it easier on your field employees or your subs that you have now, you will produce more in the same amount of time. And by doing that, you're going to add 20 more percent on to your business once you get it down right. And more importantly, it's profit, not just revenue. That's the important key. So you don't always have to grow. And then you try to work on the normal recruitment and hiring and retention. But one thing I will say on the retention is you've got to really be in tune with your employees. If they do not feel like they are engaged in your company, they absolutely will leave. There is a war out there for, for legal people in our industry to work. And if you're paying a foreman $40, non-union foreman $40 an hour, someone else will pay them $45 or $50 if they have the work. Trust me, it's going on now. So you really need to relook at what you're doing and, and, and to be successful. Yeah, I I think really it, it's you got to take a holistic approach to it, right? I, I don't I think a lot of owners um, focus on one thing and you know put all their eggs in one basket, but I think it's it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, it's it's about making sure that you've got that culture, and uh, you know it's not all about you know profit and loss. You've got to be able to make sure that that your group, your team, your employees feel like they're part of something bigger and maintain that loyalty you know it's it's not easy uh to do if it were easy we would be talking about it but um you know always be thinking about it you know and, and try to do it in as many different ways as you can um john we've talked about a lot of stuff right and what i want to do is i want to turn to your favorite time of lawn mortar that is the question time. so um we have got a stack it's not an inch thick, but it's probably a half inch thick. Uh, but I picked one out just because I know it's it's coming up. So this this question is from Brian. Brian is a consultant, and uh, he is interested in going to the FRSA Expo. Uh, and he wanted to know um, what we would be doing there, what we would be speaking on, and uh, if he had any suggestions uh, on that side of things. So. As everybody knows FRSA Expo is coming up here shortly, um, July 12th through the 14th. Always a good time. Second largest expo, I think, um, in the in the U.S. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, we will be speaking a lot, John. I don't I don't know how many times we're speaking, but I know I think you're. Do you know how many times you're speaking? Yeah, I'm speaking on Wednesday, and then I've got a recall on Friday. I'm doing. Uh, I've been asked to do the uh, estimating the right way again. So I will tell if anyone's listening and you came last year, come this year because I'm adding all new stuff. I'm taking it to the next level. Um, one thing I do want to add is Friday is not set aside just for licensed contractors. There's a whole bunch of other programs besides mine on Friday. So they're really that, that was successful last year. So they're opening it up where you, you know, anybody can come in 
on Friday and take any one of those classes that are open. So, and I know you've got quite a few speaking and, and it's full yeah. conference. People need to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, so we've got, you know, a lot of our team is going to be there. I'm speaking on, um, you know, material defects, material issues. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, OSHA, got a seminar on that, but got something brand new and that's legal issues and reputation management. Um, haven't really heard that talked about. I think it's, it's going to be a good presentation. One of the do not miss ones is Trey Batcher and Steve McCommon in our office is going to be presenting on insurance issues in Florida. If I, I that's all the questions I get now is what is what is going on with the storm and restoration market in the state of Florida? That's definite must see. Uh, I'm probably going to sit in on that myself just to pick up a few things because both those guys are really knowledgeable in the area. But absolute great time. I encourage everybody if you're out there, come say hi. Um, looking forward to seeing everybody there. So, Absolutely. So we get to the end. Uh, I want to thank everybody for making us the number one construction law podcast in the world. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode of Law and Mortar. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can contact me at trent.cotney at arlaw.com. John, how can they get you? Uh, Jay Kenny at cottonyconsulting.com. Great. We will see you guys soon. See you soon.